Episode 65 of the Football Fitness Federation podcast was with Finton White, who's the under-23 sports scientist at Birmingham City. Finton came on to talk about the challenges he faces in an under-23 environment. He spoke about managing chaos and some practical tips that he's got for managing chaos. He spoke about performance versus development and also the multidisciplinary team cohesion in the return to play process. So it was great to have Finton on and I hope you enjoy the episode with him. I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone to made it, who made it out to our Colchester meeting and a special, special thank you to Perry and Kamal for presenting. Their presentations are now available on our community. So if you go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab at the top. You can claim a free month on the community there and you'll be able to access the presentations from Perry and Kamal. Perry presented on uh, the challenges he faced in League 2 from a sports science perspective. Uh, perspective and Kamal presented on the academy sports science program down at Colchester and I've got to say the the uh, work being done down there is fantastic so go and check it out um, even if it means going on getting your free month from watching those presentations it'll be worth your time because there's some top work going on and big thank you to the lads and everyone that came out um, what is last week now um, to join us and join in some of the top discussions we had down at Colchester we are going to extend the review competition that I mentioned in the previous episode. So we're going to give away one of our youth soccer strength ebooks. Um, so if you want to enter and get a chance of winning one of those for free, just go over to iTunes, leave us a five star review with a short comment before the next show goes out. So before episode 66 goes out, just head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and that'll put you in the contest to win a free copy of the Youth Soccer Strength ebook. Big thank you again for listening. Here's the episode with Finton. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 65. I'm delighted to be joined today by Finton White, who is the under-23 sports scientist at Birmingham City. Finton, thank you very much for coming on. Hi Ben, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great, thank you mate. I, I appreciate you giving up your time and coming on, it's great to speak to you. No, no, I, I, I'm definitely glad to, glad to be on and, and I think, uh, do you want to say a big well done on, on all the meetups and the podcast so far and uh, I think it's a, a great resource for everyone in, in the field at the moment, so uh, well done on that front. Thank you for that mate, and you, uh, you joined us over at the Stoke meeting, didn't you? Yes, Stoke was the first one I, I made it to, um, that was the Paul Weiss meeting, wasn't it? So, um yeah, that, that, that was a wet wet and cold night in Stoke, literally, wasn't it? So uh, <laughs> It was, it was. But I think it was worth it because the, the detail that Paul went into on that was amazing, wasn't it? All, all the um, finer details of what he does in his practice, it was like the, the depth of detail he went into on that was amazing. Yeah, no, no. Paul, Paul spoke very well and uh, gave some good insight into what into the development at, at Stoke. So, um, but yeah, it was very good and good to meet other coaches um, around the surrounding areas as well, so... Yeah, that's great, mate. And then let's dive into you. So I've just mentioned your uh, current role at Birmingham. Yeah. Well, yeah. Take us back, or you can either start it, your current role, work back, or just um, go back and then we'll work up to where you are currently. Um, yeah, so I suppose I'll start to start. Um, quite quite a short journey, really. I, I'm not like overly experienced, but um, I 
from a place called County Wexford in Ireland. Um, I'll follow on from uh, Ryan Nevin's um, podcast a few weeks ago. Um, so yeah, from from Wexford in, in Ireland, uh, I studied in a place called uh, Institute of Technology in Carlow, um, in the southeast of Ireland. So I did a sports science degree there for four years. Picked up little bits and bobs um, along my four years there as well. So my first real experience uh, was when I had to do a work placement period um, during my degree. So luckily, I got into Reading Football Club um, under the guidance of Ed Franklin there. Um, predominantly based with the under-18 squad during that period. So that was kind of a, a pre-season period from July to September in between my third and fourth year. Um, so, yeah, that was my first real experience of sports science within professional sport. Um, loved that. Honestly, I, I, I couldn't have had a better time there um, during my few months. Um, so, yeah, went back to my fourth year, uh, completed my degree. Then I was kind of out of work for a little while, um, had no real plan after I graduated. Um, I ended up doing an internship with the Football Association of Ireland. Um so that was a bit of an unusual one, really. Um, basically, the, the FAI fund uh, sports coaching and uh, management type degree within, within my old university. So there was lots of student athletes uh, based on that degree. So um, I was involved in an intern program that kind of worked as an SNC um, for these for these students. So it was a, quite a, a broad range of students, uh, to be honest. Uh, lots of junior junior based players. Um, and players from a League of Ireland um, standpoint as well. So yeah, that was my first kind of broad experience for for, for nine months um, working in the field um, and giving kind of a, a well-rounded experience and a good education from a football point of view as well, which I think is important. Um, so yeah, from that um, I finished that internship. I decided to do um, a post-grad degree. So. Uh, looked at my options and St. Mary's um, in Twickenham was kind of my next step, what I wanted to do. Um, so I got on the distance learning uh, strength and conditioning master's there. Um, and consequently, in, in the same week I started that, I actually started a full-time role back where it all started at Reading Football Club. Um, so yeah, I spent three long years at Reading on uh, over four seasons, uh, predominantly with the 9-16s age group, um, with good experience across the 18s and 23s as well. Um, also, I had a couple of months with the first team there on, under Ed Franklin, which was which is good. So overall, I had had a quite well-rounded experience at Reading. Um, so yeah, after three years, needed something new really, um, and found my my way up to the Midlands here in Birmingham City, where I'm here for the last maybe a year and a half with the under 23 age group. Awesome. And just, and just before we sort of delve into your current role and and your key roles responsibilities in your current role, I was going to go back to. You mentioned obviously your time at Reading the first time, yeah. The, the internship and or, or the work experience or whatever it was in terms of like the volunteer work that you did there to start with. What you said it was a, a like a good experience and you took loads from it. And I think there's loads of people that go into those sorts of roles, and some people do, and some people come away with loads of good knowledge and good experiences. But others really struggle in those environments, don't they? So what was it that was so good in that environment for you? Yeah, honestly, Ben, my eyes were definitely opened. Um, I could not believe like the amount of staff that are involved within a professional academy. Um, obviously, Reading is a Cat One academy as well, but they probably punch above their weight in terms of development and recruitment and and productivity. Um, but obviously, being being from Ireland, there's not a whole lot of professional setups around. So 
the access from me back home is quite limited, really. Um, but yeah, I think the sheer amount of people, the the whole um, process, all the processes that are involved in creating individuals and, and producing individuals for the first team. I think um, I was like very, very naive, like back back then, to to think of, like to, to what produces a player and what what are the roles and responsibilities of a sports scientist back then as well. I think. Yeah, it's, it certainly opens your eyes when you get into that full-time environment, isn't it? Because when you're coming through your degree, whatever degree it is, I think you have a certain, you have it in mind, don't you, on, on what it will look like working at a club day-to-day and in a full-time role, and it can be very different when you step into that. So that's why I wanted to ask, because you've obviously taken plenty from that, so it's good to, to know like what that was, and I think coaches will learn from what you've done there as well. Yeah, I, th- I think especially from... Um from a beginner's perspective, I think that was only a three-month period, and and I, I definitely learned loads um, in that in them three months. Um, going back into my fourth year, um, and definitely gave me a motivation in my final year to like to, to go and pursue and find out different experiences and clean up my CV, my cover letter, and start getting myself out there a little bit. Because uh, at the end of the day, I kind of decided then and there that I wanted to work in football full time. So, but. As things happen, it takes a lot longer than than than, than expected to get that full time gig within football, um, and, and that's exactly what happened. It took me like over a year and a half of, of pestering Ed Franklin to, to to get back where I wanted to be. So, yeah, no, that's that's good to hear. And then in your current role, so I I said your title before under twenty three sports scientist. So what does that look like? What are your daily responsibilities? Um, yeah, daily responsibilities literally looking after the physical um physical preparation for the 23s players um quite lucky in the sense that at 23s level and at birmingham city that were quite well staffed so um obviously have a good support system of um physiotherapists we have i have an snc that works with me um so he looks after a lot of the gym-based activities and indoor conditioning um which which is good because at Reading was kind of the sports scientist does all the SNC, all the conditioning, um, a lot of the rehab and all the field-based stuff as well. But um, at Birmingham, I'm quite lucky that solely I look after the field-based stuff and kind of assist with the SNC stuff where I can. Um, so yeah, I'm responsible for for the squad on, on match days in terms of warm-ups, um, sorting the post-match nutrition out, pre-match nutri- nutrition out. Um, all the kind of daily monitoring in terms of GPS and loading. Um, and I'm probably the one that has the most contact time with the coaches regarding planning sessions and, and, and periodizing, periodizing the week and month. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I definitely have a lot more people and um, bodies to deal with in my new role, um, from the chef to the first team guys to the academy guys. Um, I definitely have a lot more people to deal with to um help the players transition from squad to squad because we certainly have um, a lot of bodies that f- float from squad to squad um, and the 23 seems to be a bit of a middle squad at times. Um, so, for example, we may have some players that are with the first team a few days a week. We, ha- we may have some players that are on full-time loans or part-time loans. Um, and we also may have some like uh, under-18s who come up to the 23s to train but might need minutes with the 18s on the weekend. So, um yeah, there's lot, lots of floating bodies around, really, which which is probably one of the difficulties with the 23 squad at the moment. And I was going to ask about the main challenges. I know you've touched on a couple there, but I, I think just to, before we go into that, 
I think it's so important, isn't it? You mentioned there about having relationships with many different people. I think sometimes we think that it's just going to be with the coach or the, the head coach and possibly the physio and, and people that are close to us. But you're right in that all these other people that are at the club, the, the chef and all these other people that we need to be in contact with, it's so vital we have good relationships with them as well, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, like other people outside of the physical performance department and, and the medical department are, are crucial. And honestly, they can make my life hell if I'm, if I'm not. If I don't have a good working relation with them, working relationship with them, or they can make my life very easy. So people like the chef, the kitmen, the groundsmen, um, yeah. So these are all people that certainly need to get along with. Um, and at the end of the day, they're they're all about helping the player as well. So everyone's on the same hymn sheet at the end of the day. So just a very brief update on some community news from our online community. Perry and Kamal's presentations are now available on the community. So go to footballfitfed.com and click the community tab at the top. Just register there, and it will give you a free month. After that, it is only £4.99. So you can go and watch the presentations that the lads gave us at our Colchester meeting if you weren't able to attend. There's also a number of different presentations available on there, which I'm sure you know already, from coaches like Adam Kerr, who's now at Leeds United. We've had um, Oliver Morgan and Jack Naylor from up at Celtic, Paul White from Stoke City, Tom Little from Preston North End, and that is only a few of them. There's plenty more on there as well. So head over and check it out. Um, We've just uploaded the discount code as well for our upcoming Rotherham United meeting, um, which is going to be on the 25th of March. There's already some tickets gone gone already for this, so it'd be great to have you there. We've got Ross Burberry, the head of performance at Rotherham, and Adam Pulford, the head of sports science with the first team at Rotherham, both presenting for us, and it's set to be a great event, 6 till 9pm. So if you are a member of the community, you get further discount on it, just head on to the community and grab your discount code and put that in at checkout when you're getting your ticket. If you just want to go and check the tickets out, go to network meetings and events at footballfitfed.com and then click Rotherham United network meeting and that will take you straight to the link. Here's the rest of the episode with Finton. Yeah, definitely. And then, so let's go into some of the main challenges you face because I'm guessing in a in a 23s role, and we were just talking off air but just before we started recording about um, other coaches that we've had on the podcast and I know Paul White covers that same sort of um, team or age group if you want to call it yeah. but it's in between isn't it you're in between sort of academy age to first team so how do you manage players coming into your sessions then leaving and, and managing it on a day-to-day basis when you've got such a different a variety of players you're working with yeah like it definitely has been different and definitely has opened my eyes moving from more of a schoolboys role to a 23s role um, certainly at schoolboys there's more of of a development side um, and the performance side is probably a little bit less important. Um, but at 23's level, these are majority of the time they're professional players, um, they're on professional contracts um, and they may go into a first team environment at any stage, um, whether it's our first team or it could be a loan or, or it could, could be another first team on a permanent basis. So um, they need to have that performance aspect to them as well at that age, but it's quite difficult as well because some of these boys are 17, 18, 19. So um, it's that fine balance of performance, performance versus development again, and it, it's a seesaw and a bit of a juggling, juggling effect. But um, everyone wants the same thing. But um, obviously, boys can get pulled from from a first team perspective and from 
uh, an academy perspective. So um, a big job for the sports science and medical staff is to try and kind of counteract both and try to find a neutral ground for both. But um, to answer your question, yeah, I think like communication is one of the biggest ones, really, to be honest. Um, we have several forums and several platforms that we use. Um, so, for example, we have uh, an AMS account um, that we utilize the cap that we utilize by Catapult. Um, so, for example, we can put all the players' schedules on this and where they are week to week and day by day. So, I think really incorporating the players within within their schedule and within their within, within their day and week is really important. So they they know where they are and they, they know where they're going. And then what what does it look like in a practical sense? So when you're getting into the building and you you discover the players that you're going to be working with, yeah. Where, where do you go from there? Is it a case of then going going into these uh, different platforms and having a look about where they've been previously? And I'm guessing you'll have times where you do have a few first team players dropping down, but then you also have the mix of the academy players coming up. So there is that battle between performance and development as well, isn't there? Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to the communication. So um, we have a staff meeting every every morning, nine o'clock before the session starts, and we can kind of plan plan our day then of, of, of numbers and, and who we have. Generally, our squads stay, stay the same, um, but there is periods of time where the first team might take four or five or, or, or one or two. And But from a medical and sports science perspective, um, we need to be looking at the data day to day and week by week to see what what, what people need. Um, so, for example, we have some younger boys that are are strong in the 18s age group, but don't get enough minutes in the 23. So, can we plan in advance um, how their week is going to look like? Um, get that into the coaches quite early on within the week, so they're aware. Um, so instead of maybe beasting the boys on a match day minus three, minus four, whatever it may be. Can they have a tailored week to their game on the, on, on the Saturday? Um, I think as I spoke to Paul White at Stoke, I think we definitely had similar similar struggles in terms of the 23 schedule. Um, games are literally all over the place. So most of the time we play on Mondays or Fridays. Um, but like we've had games on Thursdays over the last couple of weeks. We've had games on Tuesdays before. Um there's league games, there's like local Birmingham Senior Cup games, there's the Premier League Cup games, so it's literally games galore. So, yeah, it, it, is, it is difficult to manage all these players across several squads, um, but I think speaking and having some sort of plan ahead for, for the week is, is, is usually important. Um, but yeah, I think generally it's down to the, the physiotherapist, the sports scientist um, and the SNC to kind of manage workloads. Um, and make sure every every person is ticking a box from a physical standpoint. Um, so this may be in terms of are they getting the max velocity exposure within the week? Are they getting enough high speed running within the week? Are they keeping their chronic load high? Um, are there, from a gym perspective, um, are they getting their Nordics in? Are they getting their Copenhagen's in? Are they getting some sort of leg strength in within the week? Um, we have some boys that may need extra condition from like a body fat point of view. Are these boys getting that in in the week? So you nearly have um, 20 separate um, schedules for each each player and it is very, very individual. But I think with the manpower that we have, um, I think it is certainly doable to, to keep uh, an eye on everyone and uh, keep them at a, working at a, a high level. And in terms of your work you're doing out on the training pitch, so Paul talks a lot about tactical periodization and how they've amended the model for them and, and yeah. based from their 
their game model, their style of play. So do you guys do something similar? Um, similar, but very different. I, I think from a periodization point of view, um, it just changes. Um, like, for example, we've had a Sunday-Monday off this week, but that, that hasn't happened in, in months and months and months. And it's, it's dependent on, on lots of things. Um, the first-team fixture, fixtures do play a big part in that, and the first-team schedule plays a big part in that. Um, and that has changed over the course of the last few months as well. Um, I think with different management, um, obviously we've had different management at first-team level here um, from last season to this season. Um, and we've had different 23s management from last season to this season as well. So there's been a big shift in in the way we work. Um, generally, if we play on a Friday, we'll usually be in the Thursday and off the Wednesday. Um, but then suddenly the following week, you have no game, which is a big flaw in the 23 schedule at the moment because at the start of the season, you kind of go two weeks on with games and then one week off without a game, which is not ideal. So, um, yeah, I think being adaptable is kind of is one of the big things for um, people working in football, really. I think we've, we've ha- we haven't had many weeks where our uh, schedule is the same. Um, sometimes the coaches want to throw in a double session here and there as well, so you have to allow for a little bit of randomness with that as well. Um, and then it's so just adapting that their, their SNC-based stuff, um, their high-speed running, uh, their loading within the week. Um, so yeah, it's it is a juggling act, um, and I, I I don't want to make it sound that it's a little bit all over the place here because it's actually quite quite an organised um, group of staff that we have at 23 level. Um, but I think you can only do so so much bearing on the first team because at the end of the day, um, they can pull four or five year four or five year of your team members um, in the morning of of a session. So um, you got to be able to adapt, and that can kind of skew the the coaches session then as well, um, which may kind of affect the physical outputs that you want to get across. Um, so like from, from my side, um, I discuss with the coaches every morning of what, what, what the physical output is going to be in that session, whether it's going to be large areas, smaller areas, medium sized areas, um, what's going to be involved within the session. And obviously if you take away four or five bodies from that, that can certainly change, um, what type of session they're going to put on. So, um, yeah, we're, we're very much down to um, what other people are doing. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a juggling act really all the time, but you've got to be able to adapt and think on your feet and um, kind of get over these hurdles as well at 23's level, I think. And I know, well, part of what all this is, is managing chaos, isn't it? It's a very chaotic environment. And that isn't to say that it's caused by staff or the way clubs work, because it is just the schedules, isn't it? And you can be... You can be organised within a chaotic environment, which is basically what you were touching on before, isn't it, with the staff and knowing how to adapt and manage the, the programme. And you probably answered this question a little bit already, but if you could expand on it, that'd be great. But how do you manage the chaos and what are some practical things that you you tend to do to, to keep the programme on track? Um, I think, obviously, we have certain processes from a sports science and a medical perspective. So... Um, Basically, from my side, there's kind of like a core of three people being me, the physio, and, and the SNC. So um, we'll meet daily. Um, we you nearly have to have a skill within sports science and SNC, I think, to kind of predict the future. Um, and this is definitely something that I've I've got better at since my Reading days, because it was ever 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 changing there as well. So 
um, you, you get very good at predicting the future or, or what's going to happen and uh, the way way people think and the way coaches think. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's always about being basically two or three days ahead of everybody else, um, I think. Um, what's going to happen from a loading point of view and from a gym-based point of view? Um, and basically, it's kind of mapping it a week, really. Um, and it's very much a tick box tick box protocol, to be honest. Um, so what are all the physical things that we want the players to achieve within that week? Um, where, can, where can we fit them in? What's the, what's the most appropriate time we can fit them in? Um, and then communicating that earlier on. Um, I think leaving stuff to last minute definitely causes problems. Um, so being um, proactive um, and communicating early um, with the MDT um, and whoever's involved, whether it's the analysts, the coaches, sports science, physios, whoever whoever it may be, um, can definitely cause less problems um, later on in the week. And that's certainly like with other members of staff as well, whether it's the, the groundsman, the chef, for example, um, regarding fixture changes, training time changes, can you lay, liaise with all these people early? Um, and this may be by simple means of um, a WhatsApp group, maybe through our um, AMS system with the players, um, maybe through our SharePoint system, um, other members of staff from a, from a broader range of departments. So um, there's different processes probably from um, different circles, if you know what I mean. So um, in our closer knit of our 23s team, um, we have a process of communicating with the players through their their phone app with their AMS system and um, with the closer 23 staff. Um, it's usually through morning meetings um, and generally communicating um, day to day, really. Yeah, I love that in terms of communicating early and predicting the future. I think they're two really key points. Um, a big takeaways for me from that, from what you said there about doubt. Yeah, hundred percent. Like predicting the future, um, I think is a skill that people develop over time. Um, I, I I certainly used to lose my head a lot, like at Reading, with constant change. But you got you got to adapt, and that's the way things are in football the majority of the time. Um, and Things are no different um, in my current role than what 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 they were at my old club. So, and speaking to other practitioners practitioners as well, um, they face the same challenges. So, um, yeah, I think for any young people coming into the game, um, just don't be surprised at a uh, little bit of chaos. And I think you have to be adaptable, um, but being organised and being um, kind of ahead of the game, if 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 you like, um, can certainly help you. And have always have a plan plan B as well um, and even a plan C at times because you're going to have to think on your feet whether that's from um, a warm-up point of view like there's been plenty of times where I've been on the field ready to do a session with X amount of players and suddenly I have two less or I have an odd number um, so how do you adapt your your sessions based based on that as well so yeah I think that's really important for any young practitioner just to realize that you got to have a plan B and plan C in, in place as well. I think it's really important for coaches as well to know, to realise and notice that this is actually the norm at other clubs as well. I think sometimes we can get caught up in the fact that, oh, it's really chaotic, we've got all this stuff going on, and without realising that that actually goes on at every club. And that's obviously what, what we talk about at the meetings, is that you get perspectives from other clubs and what other coaches are doing, and that's why it's great to speak to someone like yourself and talk about some practical things that you're putting in place to manage the chaos. Yeah, exactly, and... As you said, I think majority of places um, do have similar problems, whether it's at a, a lower level or a lower category academy. Um, I think it's just um, 
the way people manage it. Obviously, we're lucky that we have numerous amount of staff, so um, we can kind of deal with problems early on. But again, with, that's another problem with large amounts of staff that you need to communicate with lots of other people and as well to keep all them in the loop. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely pluses and minuses uh, to working in bigger and smaller clubs on that front as well. Uh, if you're in a smaller club where you have less staff, um, it can be a little bit. More, it might be easier to, to manage some of the, some of the chaos and, and some of the problems. So yeah, there's pluses and minuses to both, I suppose. And I know a lot of what we've already spoke about will tie into this, but if we go into the return to play, return to play process now and talk about the importance of that cohesion of staff and how it works at your club, can you, can you touch on that? Yeah, so I think the return to play stuff definitely has been something um, that I've been involved in a bit more um, since I came to Birmingham. Um, definitely in a 23 perspective in comparison to a school boys perspective. Um, so yeah, I, like again, I'll go back to our kind of little trio of sports science, S and C, and and physio. Um, these are the kind of the main three that initially deal with um, any kind of return to play process. So, like most places, the physio generally deals with the early stages um, from a treatment and and um, diagnosis point of view. Um, but the S and C coach is obviously is quite involved early on um, for us, um, leading with most of the gym-based rehab um, and whatever conditioning that may be. Um, so we definitely tried to hit some conditioning um, with our injured boys uh, quite early on if we can. So we're lucky that we have like some means, some different means um, to some get some conditioning focus on as well. So we have uh, obviously the usual like battle ropes, um, ski ergo, um, Boxing, um, boxing bag, and and we have a few walk bikes as well, which which are very good. Um, we certainly utilise the walk bike workouts. Um, I'm not sure if you've used them before, Ben, but um, they're really good and they they give a a nice periodised plan for the players as well, um, and some nice feedback. Um, so we utilise the walk bike stuff uh, where we can um, quite a lot, and we we utilise that with some. Was it need extra conditioning um, on a week by week pro- um, process as well um, in terms of uh, body composition? But um, so yeah, from from a return to play, the SNC kind of deals with all the the indoor stuff. Usually, there's a little handover then from from the physio and the SNC to to me um, when they start to go outside. Um, the physio may tick box some stuff uh, to make sure. The player is physically physically able um, and physically pain free um, to perform certain movements, um, but then that player kind of needs to get back to to top performance and back to back to a level where he's able to perform certain movements um, to where he was previously and beyond. So yeah, that's that's kind of where it comes from um, to me. Obviously, this player is is tracked from a GPS point of view um, quite tightly, um, so we can produce separate little documents that we share among ourselves, um, given a stepwise plan for that player, to be honest. Um, so we kind of work in 10% incre- increments most of the time. Um, again, no real scientific basis on this, but it gives a nice stepwise plan to that player so they're, they're really integrated back into training fully in a safe way. Um, so, for example, we may decide that player is going to start off on their um, field-based stuff uh, at a 70% of their average training week, for example. So can we plan out his week um, on an individual basis um, to hit certain parameters? So these may be 
one might be a volume day where they would have a little bit more total distance in, within their rehab session. Um, one may be more of a high speed running or a max velocity day. Um, some sessions may focus more on X cells, D cells. Um, so yeah, it's again, periodizing that plan for the individual. Um, and again, feeding back is again, crucial. So we can plan the next kind of couple of weeks. Um, I think obviously keeping the player involved within the rehab process is really important as well. So, from, from my experience, players really want to find out what they're doing the following day and what, what they're doing later on in the week. Um, so I think keeping them involved and making sure uh, that they know they're hitting their targets. So we're lucky that we have the live GPS out on the pitch as well that we can kind of feed back to the players straight away, whether they've um, hit certain distances or hit, hit certain velocities. Um, and yeah, I think kind of making them... Um, aware of, of their plan and, and keeping them involved in the whole return to play process is really important. Um, probably from a wider perspective then, um, there comes a point where the player needs to integrate back in into training. Um, and we're, we're so lucky w- w- within our 23 staff that we have coaches that can really adapt um, and integrate that player in, in some way. Um, whether that gives them an odd number or um, changes their session a little bit, they, they can generally put, a, put an injured a player or a or a load compromised player as we like to call them sometimes um back into so, some some part of the session um that may be just a technical part and maybe a finishing part and maybe um a floater in a small side of the game so yeah we're quite lucky that we have coaching staff that can kind of um adapt and uh be on our side of things as well so at the end of the day we, we want the player back in as quickly as we can so um the coaches are, are more than happy to kind of see that player integrated as well um i think also it's just like keeping keeping the expectations from a coaching standpoint um low as well so if you can kind of liaise with the coaches quite early on I, and, and i say this again getting to the point early on and in, in in the planet is really crucial so everyone knows the expectation of when that player is going to be back um and again it probably sounds like that we have meetings about meetings but um Every month we have like a kind of a big 23s meeting among all staff and any injuries that are kind of um, that we have at the time are just set out um, on, on our calendar, on our, on our big board that we have in the room. Um, so everyone kind of has a fair idea of, of any injuries that we have at the time when they're expected back. Um, so everyone kind of has an expectation then um, and a responsibility to try to get that player back um, for, for that time period. That's great. It's great to get different perceptions on um, return to play. And I know in, in a few weeks' time, we're having a, a, a top, top physio on to talk about that. And it's really important that we understand each other's role in that process, isn't it? And appreciate the work that each one's doing. Yeah, exactly. Like, and like, I'm, I'm, I'm not a football coach, but um, I have degree, I have like experience within football and I've coached football at some level. Um back home for, for a few seasons and stuff. So um, I think it's really important from a younger practitioner point of view as well to have some level of understanding of the game because um, a lot of time you'll find that you're putting on football sessions um, as part of your rehab for, for the individual and, and, and the injured player. So um, I think if I was to give any advice for for younger practitioners, certainly go out and, and do a bit of coaching within any sport that you're that you're hoping to work in, whether it's football or basketball or whatever it may be. But um, to have a few little drills in your back pocket to um, bring out and adapt from, from a rehab point of view is really important. Um, we try to make 
our rehab sessions as uh, position specific as possible as well. Um, we, we we don't really like to generalize things, so we, we need to think of the, the demands of the game for for that player as well. Um, whether that's from a, a numbers standpoint in terms of high speed running, or from a movement standpoint, whether that's repeated sprints, whether that's um, excelling, decelling quickly, whether that's contacts, whether that's um, lots of heading the ball, for example, for center halves, whether it's linear or lateral movements. Um, so when you really need to tailor um, the rehab on that front as well, which is really important, I think. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome, mate. I think it's some top quality information there. It's great to dive into the programme and understand understand the under-23 role a little bit more. Um, I think we've covered that well. So thank you very much for that. And where's the best place, if anyone's got any questions, if they want to reach out to you, is, is the best place Twitter? Uh, probably Twitter, I'd say, mate. Um, I think it is fintwhite6, I think is my Twitter handle. So yeah, that's probably the best place to get me. And you're happy for people to reach out and ask any anything? Yeah, no problem at all. No problem at all. Awesome, mate. Well, really appreciate you coming on. Um, like I said, I think there's some top stuff in there. So I hope everyone's enjoyed it and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your day off. Perfect, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Cheers, Vinton. Cheers, Ben. Thank you. Bye-bye. Big thanks to Finton for coming on the show. There was plenty of takeaways for me. Uh, some of the main ones were where he's talking about dealing with different staff and we talk about communication and building relationships time and time again. But I think oftentimes we talk about coaches and we talk about players, but he mentioned people like the chef, the kit man. These are all valuable people that we need good relationships with as well. Um, he talks about the three core people having daily meetings so he's obviously got a core team of people that he wants to speak to on a daily basis, which keeps everyone up to date on what's going on. Um, and then some of the stuff, that, some of the biggest takeaways, we were talking about predicting the future. So that was staying one step ahead or trying to stay one step ahead. So that was a, a key bit of advice. And then also communicating early, which I also found um, as a, a key point to take out of this episode. So it was great to have Finton on. Um, I'm sure you'll take plenty from it like I have, but please get in touch. Let us know what your takeaways are. If you want to get in touch with Finton or just follow him, you can follow him on Twitter at FintWhite and then the number six. And um, yeah, give him any feedback as well. I'm sure he'll be happy for you to to reach out. Um, But again, thank you very much for listening. Please share the show. Get it out to as many people as possible. I really appreciate uh, all your listening. Um, every time you listen and everyone that's subscribed to the show as well. And I appreciate it if you could do us a huge favour and share it. And just finally, just remember that we are extending our review competition to next show. So episode 66. So if you haven't done so already, head over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review with a short comment. And that'll put you in the contest to win a free copy of our Youth Soccer Strength ebook. Big thanks again, and we'll speak to you again next week.